Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're your staff writers for Swamp247.com. Check us out online, but for now, we are going to preview the Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville. Obviously, one of the biggest ones in several years. You know, Florida has been on the wrong end of the rivalry for the past two years. Uh, at least on the scoreboard, neither of those games have been close. Blake, I think everybody expects a much closer game this year. Uh, I know the Vegas line has shifted back and forth a little bit between six to three and a half to back to six. Um, I guess first off, Blake, what's your view on this game coming in? I mean, uh, does Vegas have the number right? Are you, are you expecting a close game? Is this one that uh, that Florida maybe has more of a chance in than the last two years? You know, I think if you look at it, you know, and we even talked about this, you know, before the season even started, that just the talent level. Um, on Florida's roster this year at certain positions, having a lot of upperclassmen. Florida's defense has obviously played like we thought it would throughout the season. So, you know, I think that Florida has probably the better shot this year than maybe in years past. They've obviously worked on some more depth issues. I think that was kind of the glaring, you know, talking point of last year's game was that Florida made it a game for a while until the depth just kind of fell out. So I think that this year there's a little bit more pieces, obviously getting guys like Jonathan Greenard back, you know, getting Jabari Zaniga back, you know, Kadarius Tony is another, you know, just important weapon for Florida that you can do a lot of things with. So, you know, I, I think that this is probably, I, I'm pretty, pretty dead set on a, on a close game. I think three, you know, maybe a touchdown. Um, I think that's going to be kind of what separates it there just because it's two teams with really good defenses. Um, I think Florida, I, I would give them probably the edge offensively right now. Um, just because it seems like Georgia has sputtered, although their running game is very good. Um, but, you know, I think on defense it's kind of a push because obviously both teams are, are really getting after it and they really make it tough for opposing offenses. So I, I, me personally, I think it's going to be a close game. Well, Blake, you mentioned the, you know, the offseason and some of our talk going into the, you know, into this season really kind of centered around this Georgia game. You know, Georgia was obviously expected to be one of the top teams in the country, uh, a projected playoff team going into the year, you know, really top five team. And for the most part, I don't think the Bulldogs have necessarily looked quite that good this year. You know, they've really struggled the last two games, uh, you know, losing to South Carolina and then really kind of, you know, I know it was a rainy, rainy affair against Kentucky, but you know, they didn't score until well into the third quarter. So I don't know that the perception of this game is necessarily what we thought it would be going into the year where it looks like, you know, OK, that's going to be a tough game for Florida to win. I feel better about Florida's chances to win this game now than I did before the year began. Um, but I do think the the important part of the conversation that I want to get to before we even dive into some of the matchups is kind of what this game means. And I guess um, I guess my question is, Blake, do you, do you have a sense who does this game matter more for? Because I'm not sure that this game matters more to Florida than it matters to Georgia. Yeah, you know, I was actually kind of thinking of it as I was, you know, listening. I think it matters more for Georgia just because whenever you look at, you know, I don't think anyone 
expected them to have a loss on their, uh, you know, on their record right now. You know, losing to South Carolina was a bit of a surprise. Um, you're coming out, and I feel like kind of the talking point of this last, at least the last couple weeks, has been that you know, where's Georgia's offense? You know, they're not looking like this contender team. How does Georgia get all these five-star players, and they look like this? You know, just different things that I've mm-hmm. seen that have been talked about. So, you know, I think you could make an argument for both teams. Obviously, Florida winning this game puts them over that hump of, you know, finally beating Georgia, putting themselves into this national contender look, you know, possibly playing in Atlanta. But at the same time, too, I think whenever you think of the expectations of what Georgia had, you know, even when last season ended, you know, there was already looking ahead to Georgia's going to be in Atlanta. Georgia's going to be undefeated. Georgia's going to do this. Georgia's going to do that. So. I think with the fact that they're you know playing a little bit underwhelming right now, um, I think that you know obviously this is a chance for them to right the ship and kind of put themselves back on what was expected. You know, I think that, you know, I think people expected Florida to have a really good team this year just from you know coming off of ten wins last year, you know, returning a lot of pieces. But you know, I think whenever you look at Georgia, they've just been named as one of those elite top schools in college football, and they just have not really looked like that. So I think that this game matters more to them. Um, you know, obviously either team loses, they're going to be eliminated from the SEC East race. But, you know, I I think for me, I think it matters more to Georgia just from, you know, kind of the, you know, excitement that they've had around their program the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it feels like the pressure is more on Georgia, I guess is maybe the way to say it, you know, that sure I would agree with that. Yeah. Cause I mean, Kirby smart, you know, he's been around for another year as a coach, you know, compared to Dan Mullen. So, you know the burden of them kind of the burden of expectations in terms of them kind of pushing through and really reaching that level that they expect to be at, I think is a little higher than for Dan Mullen right now, who's in year two, who's dealing with the fact that he lost the starting quarterback. Um, I, I, you know, neither team's going to want to lose this game. That's for sure. And I think if you're talking about this game, obviously, you know, the winner comes away looking great, feeling like a national contender again. Um, and I think the loser in a lot of ways, you know, it's going to be rough. I think the difference is that, you know, because Georgia has been to the SEC championship game, because Georgia's been to the college football playoff, because Georgia's been on the doorstep of a national championship, and it feels like in some ways has managed to choke away those opportunities. I think, you know, the fact that Georgia's already lost the game coming into this one, all of a sudden, if you lose this one, I think the narrative around the Georgia program starts to shift more so than if Florida comes in and loses this game. You know what I mean? No, I definitely agree with that. You know, if Georgia comes in and I think if they do lose this game against Florida, then the national media perception is what's wrong with Georgia? Is Kirby Smart the guy? I think you start letting those kind of uncertain questions creep into your program, and I think that that's not something you want to do. So I I would totally agree with that. Yeah, and the flip side of that is that Florida, on the other hand, can all of a sudden get that national attention where it's like, hey, Florida's for real under Dan Mullen, and I think – a lot of people have talked about what a good coach Dan Mullen is and, and uh, you know, how he's going to get things right for Florida. But it's always been this, OK, well, that'll happen if he gets the talent. And it feels like, you know, it feels like still even in the national conversation, a lot of people just aren't quite ready to buy Florida. You know, Florida beats Auburn and there was still this sense of, eh, let's see what happens against LSU. And you know what? Florida played pretty well against LSU, but it was still like, eh, well, you know, they still got to they still got to go still play lost Georgia by two and, touchdowns. Right. So I, I, I just don't know that Dan Mullen's had that breakthrough game yet. You know, there, there's been a lot of games where Dan Mullen has proven that he can coach above his talent level. You know, you look at some of the wins last year, you know, the LSU game, the Mississippi State game. You look at this year's Auburn game. And then even I think Florida was much more competitive against LSU this year. I think this game's a chance for Dan Mullen 
not only to really put a lot of pressure on Kirby Smart by winning and, and forcing some of those questions about where George is at and and how good of a coach Kirby Smart really is, but it's also a chance for Dan Mullen to really get that signature win where, look, if you look at the rest of the schedule, Florida should cruise into the SEC championship game at 11-1, and one, and then all of a sudden that you have the national spotlight on you, and you have a chance to really, really make a statement. I just think this game has the potential to really flip the narrative, not only in this rivalry, but really about the Florida program and get Dan Mullen that extra little bit of ammunition that he needs to continue kicking up the recruiting just a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a process. And whenever you want to recruit, you know, these high level guys, you have to win these type of games. You know, I think that, you know, I think I said it after the LSU loss that if Florida would have won that game, I think they would have really kind of broke the levy and really started, you know, really rack up on the recruiting trail, whether that's 2020, 2021, either way. They're getting a lot more interest every year from some of these kids. You know, every year I feel like more elite kids are seriously looking at Florida. But whenever you have a win like that, I kind of look back to my first year covering recruiting back in 2013, whenever Florida went to the uh, Sugar Bowl, um, you know, had this big, you know, successful season under Will Muschamp. They were really recruiting at a high level. Um, You know, those kind of wins like that and the perception around your program can really sign some of these elite guys. Minus they did lose to Louisville in the bowl game and it kind of took some wind out of their sails. But, you know... They were getting a lot of calls from kids that weren't interested before, and I think that could be the kind of the same deal with Florida now as they continue to kind of close out the 2020, 2020 class. All right, well, let's get into a little bit of the matchups here, Blake. You know, obviously, that's what we like to do on these Thursday podcasts. You know, we've had a little bit of a break because of the, the bye week and stuff. Um, I think when I look at Florida's offense versus Georgia's defense, and we'll start there on this first half of the podcast, um, to me, Kyle Trask is kind of the guy that I hone in on as maybe the key guy in this matchup. And I think the reason for that is you look at Georgia's defensive numbers across the board. It's a good defense, man. Uh, they're seventh in total defense, fifth in scoring defense, fifth in rushing defense, 17th in passing defense. So there's no obvious spot where you look at and you say, oh, yeah, Florida can just run the ball. You know, they're ranked 80th in, in rush defense or, or Florida can just throw it on them. You know, their secondary had been very good. To me, this is a game where Kyle Trask is really, really going to have to manage his spots. You know, he's going to have to have his A game in terms of identifying the coverage pre-snap, finding that right Raider check, and taking what's there. Because George is good both in the back end and in the front end. And I think this will be a real test for him. Having said that, Kyle Trask has been up to the test every single time he's been out there this year. Absolutely. I agree. I, you know, I feel like I say it every week and I don't know if that's just because Florida's run game just hasn't quite been up to par, you know, whenever you compare to what Trask has been doing. But I, again, you know, I think this game is on Kyle Trask's shoulders, but I think this isn't maybe, you know, the, uh, you know, Auburn, it was, you know, they have an elite defensive line, you know, LSU kind of same deal. I feel like this is the most well-rounded defense that, that Florida is going to play so far. And so I think that Trask really, you know, needs to be on his A game. I think passing the ball is going to have to be their bread and butter here just because it's really what they've done all season. They have a lot of you know weapons out wide. But I think if you're going to run the ball, I think that it's going to have to start with the offensive line. I think that they've had at least the last two games. Um, I, I feel like they're starting to gel a little bit. They're starting to get a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's running just traditionally or throwing Emory Jones in there to create some looks or you know throwing Kadarius Tony out there. Just different looks, I think, those kind of gimmicky ways I think they're going to have to run the ball and have success. And I think if you can do that, it definitely helps Trask open up the passing game as well. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think Florida needs to continue showing those strides in the run game. 
I don't know, you know, the way Georgia plays defensively, they, they do like to put a lot of guys in the box, and I think that can make it tricky. That, that's, this is one of those games where you really, really have to be sound in terms of your assignments to be able to create those creases. Um, the one thing that stands out to me about this Georgia defense, especially, you know, when you're kind of coming through the numbers and looking at it, there's nobody that really jumps out as like, that's the guy we have to figure out, you know, like against Auburn, it was very clear. You, you got to figure out a way to keep Derek Brown from absolutely destroying the game, you know, against LSU, there were a couple guys you could circle, you know, uh, chase on and, and Lawrence, you know, you kind of keyed in on those guys against South Carolina, you know, Javon Kinlaw. I mean, so there's been guys. When I look at this Georgia, you know, defense, there's not necessarily any one guy that you circle. And I think that's what makes this defense pretty good is they're not flashy, but they're extremely efficient. You know, Georgia's only given up about three yards per per carry in the run game, which is very, very good. Uh, They only allow about 5.4 yards per attempt. So it's not necessarily that you have to game plan around specific guys, but you have to really take advantage of those chances when you get them. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how Dan Mullen draws this one up, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I have some ideas about maybe how you do that, but Blake, I'm curious, what do you think this game plan looks like for Mullen? Does Florida just go about doing what it does? Do you, do you draw in some wrinkles to maybe try to get those guys off guard? Or do you just kind of ride the improvement that you've had and, and hope to click? You know, I think you have to play smart with the football, obviously throwing, you have to, you know, really play smart assignment ball there. I, I think you kind of have to nickel and dime them, you know, mm-hmm. get what you can get from the passing game. And I think you do have to throw in some some kind of trickeration runs, whether that's you know throwing in an Emory Jones, giving it to Kadarius Tony, switching out some kind of running back look to you know maybe open some lanes. Um, I, I think if you're going to have a big explosive play, I think it could come through the running game. Um, kind of what we saw last uh, against South Carolina with Damian Pierce kind of getting that big type of run. But I think if you're if, if from a game plan standpoint, I think you're going to see a lot of nickel and dime passes. Kyle Trask kind of taking what the defense gets him, and I think that's what you're going to have to do with a well balanced defense like this. Like you said, it's hard to game plan on one guy. I think you have to kind of focus on the you know the body of work and just get what's open and, and kind of go from there. I don't know if I expect this game to be high scoring, just because I don't know that you can really go up there and run up the score on this Georgia defense. Because I mean, again, they're they're just very well balanced. But I think you just kind of have to give take what the defense gives you and I, I think that Kyle Trask you know he's been he's been pretty cool customer so far this season you know I don't think the moment has ever been too big for him so I I, I think that he could be up to the test there but he's gonna have to really play smart with the football see I think Kyle Pitts especially because I agree with you a lot sure. about nickel and diamond Pitts and that's is what, definitely that's what I'm talking about in terms of Kyle Trask being able to manage the game I think there's going to be some spots where you have a guy that's you know you can take a five yard slant or whatever and I think Kyle Pitts when you're talking about you know not necessarily feeling like you can maybe take the top off this Georgia defense very routinely or or necessarily get going east-west in the run game. Um, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be one of the key factors in this game. And, you know, from the standpoint of he's a matchup problem no matter who he's against. And if you can give yourself enough time to throw it to him, uh, even 50-50 balls where Kyle, Kyle Pitts has a man on him, that's a pretty high percentage play. Uh, but, Blake, you've mentioned Kadarius Tony a couple times. We've talked about him being back. He was non-contact in practice throughout most of the bye week. Uh, Van Jefferson was raving about him earlier this week in, in the Monday-Tuesday practices that he went through. Can Kadarius Tony make a difference at all in this game? You know, I think so. I think whenever you have a guy who has big playability like that, I, I kind of go back. Obviously, it's not as an elite of a defense that what they'll see this weekend, but going back to the Miami game, whenever you have a guy, you can throw it out into space out there, kind of you know like a screen and just give him some room. That's a guy that if you give him some space, I mean, he's going to be gone. He'll find a way to get in there. Um, whenever you already have a really talented 
group of wide receivers. Um, I, I feel like they all do something very well in their own, you know, and I think that Tony's biggest thing is, you know, kind of giving him some space and giving him a crease and he can find ways. Now, could it be in the passing game or could it be in the running game? I think that that's what he brings is just that versatility to help you in either way. And it's kind of some, it's, it's not easy to game plan for guys like that, that are just a little bit a good, a little bit of everything. So right. I think that that's what he brings. You know, I don't know that he's going to make this big difference in the game, but I think that he's going to definitely create, you know, something that George is going to have to game plan for this week. Um, does he, does it show up on the field? I'm not sure just because there are a lot of wide receivers out there. For me, I just feel like in the running game, you know, throwing some end arounds, you know, getting him into some spaces and creases. I think that that's where, I, at least personally, I think that's where he could have the biggest impact. No, I agree with you. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, he's this explosive playmaker and everything. I think the bigger issue is um, Florida's coaches haven't seemed to quite fully trust him yet. And that was true even, you know, in the first couple games that he did play. Um, I think the fact that he's been out as long as he has, I think the only real things you're going to see from Tony are some probably pre-designed plays where they've really, really repped those in practice all week and really ironed them out very, very soundly. Um, I don't think this is a game where you see him get like five, ten touches. You know, I, I really think it's it's going to be in the you know two to three range, um, but it's going to be in a situation where they feel like they've got the look they want um, and be it a jet sweep, an end around, like you said, a trick play. That's where he's going to show up, and I do think I do think he'll be on the field significantly more than that because I think that forces Georgia to plan for him. Uh, but I think in terms of putting the ball in his hands, the one thing Florida's coaches have always been a little bit reluctant about is he's a guy that can go negative just as easily as he can go positive. And I think when you're facing a defense that's this sound like Georgia, you don't want them to get confidence. You don't want to put yourself behind the sticks. I think when your offense has been as efficient as it's been, I think you really got to limit those chances for Kadarius Tony with the ball in his hands to plays where you've really repped all week. So I'm not expecting a huge difference from him if he does play. Um, I think that Florida's offense has been good enough that there's no reason to, you know, fully reintroduce him and and risk things, you know? Yeah. I don't think they should force getting him in there, but I think that he's got, I I, like, I I agree with you. I think that he may not have a ton of touches, but I think that the ones that he does get some touches on are going to be plays where they feel like he has the success and that they're going to put him in a chance to, you know, help them just because again, this is a really good defense and you don't want to put yourself behind the sticks. And that's what could happen. We've seen it too many times where, you know, Tony's trying to kind of shuffle around east to west, shuffles back some and, and doesn't really make much out of it. So you don't want to put yourself in, you know, what, you know, second and 15 type of plays with that. And so I, I think you're going to have to be smart with him. Um, but again, you know, Florida's got the pieces on the wide receivers, but, you know, Kyle Pitts, Van Jefferson, mm-hmm. Tyree no Cleveland. So there's plenty of other guys that are that are fully capable, too. So, I, you know, I don't know that not having him, you know, in a, as many touches, I don't think that that's really absolutely bad. But I think that if you can put him in some spots where he can make a play like he did against Miami and take it, you know, to the to the, you know, all the way downtown. I think that's obviously going to be a win for Florida if you can get him to do that. Sure. All right. Well, we've broken down Florida's offense versus Georgia's defense. We're going to get to the other side of the ball, which I think is a little bit more intriguing given the last two weeks. Florida's defense maybe has not been quite what we've been used to seeing. So hang around. We'll be right back on the other side of this commercial break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, 
roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're breaking down Florida's upcoming matchup against Georgia, a top 10 showdown at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I'm allowed to say that, I think. I don't know. We'll have to check contractually. I might not be able to. We'll scrub it if we need to. Uh, but we're breaking down Florida's defense against Georgia's offense in the second half of the podcast. Blake, I guess first off, there's no avoiding it. Let's talk about the injury situation. Florida's defense has not been the same without John Grenard. You know, they've played without Jabari Zaniga for a while, but really it wasn't until Grenard went down that you really started to see the defense take a step back. Um, first off, I guess I'll, I'll fill in, you know, kind of where we're at at this point in the week. Uh, Jonathan Grenard, we talked to him early in the week, and he sounded very, very confident that he's going to be able to play. I think he's going to be pretty close to 100%. You know, those ankle injuries, you never know. He could get rolled up on early. But I think he's definitely going to play, which is huge news for Florida. We're a little bit less sure on Jabari Zuniga. Uh, but, you know, Dan Mullen has said that he expects him to play. Uh, he's had a little while to rest on that ankle. So even if he's not quite 100%, you know, maybe Florida probably gets some snaps out of him. Blake, what kind of impact is having those two guys back? Have? I think it's big just because you look at the struggles that Georgia's had in the passing game. I think they're going to really rely on the rush. Um, DeAndre Swift is a really good running back. I believe he's second in the SEC in rush um, yards, I believe it is. Um, so uh, let me look. Yeah, uh, no, in total rushes. Um, so, I mean, they're either way, they're going to be facing a, one of the best conference running backs there. So I think when you look at how Florida has kind of struggled against the rush, um, without Grenard and Zaniga, I think having them back, um, it matches up really well because Florida hasn't quite had the same impact in the rushing uh, defense without those guys. Um, and you know, I, so far from what I've seen out of Fromm these last couple weeks, I you know he hasn't really looked like he's going to be you know this world beater. So I, I think that uh, you know having those guys is is big for Florida just because Georgia's really had some success with the run. Yeah, there's no doubt, and I think. It's really both because, you know, both of these guys, Grenard and Zaniga, are both very good getting after the the quarterback as well. Sure. And I think we haven't seen Florida's defense be quite as disruptive without those guys. Uh, I think they've done a decent job. And I don't want to fully discredit what the guys that stepped in did because I think they were two very different games. You know, LSU, I think that Florida went into the game plan not necessarily prepared to play, you know, the Chris Bogles, the Muhammad Diabates. Those guys probably hadn't repped a ton in practice that week with the starters just because you expected Grenard to be there. You know what I mean? Um, and, and Zaniga as well. And both of those guys kind of got dinged up in the LSU game. That game went very poorly for Florida, you know, and I thought Florida took a very clear step forward against South Carolina in terms of playing without those two. I thought, you know, Bogle and Diabate were both effective and more disciplined on their pass rush. Um, Luke Ankerm, I thought, you know, 
a little bit more shaky, but you know, he at least made some plays here and there. Uh, I thought Zach Carter was the one who really, really stepped up against South Carolina. So I think the silver lining, if you're looking at it, is I think Florida's depth really came along with those guys out. But there's no understating or there's no overstating the impact that Grenard makes. Uh, I think he's the most veteran guy in terms of being able to set the edge, being able to recognize on the edge where the run's going, how to pinch it right. Um, That, I think, is going to be a big deal because, like you said, DeAndre Swift is an extremely good back. Um, I was kind of thinking about it, and we didn't necessarily talk about it before the podcast, but I was just thinking about the backs Florida had faced. And I honestly, it took me a minute or two to even come up with the names of like the good running backs Florida's faced this year. I mean, it seems like a couple years ago, it was like every opponent on the roster. You know, it was like Leonard Fournette and Nick Chubb and uh, Sonny Michelle and uh, who's the guy for Vandy? Um, the Gainesville kid. Ralph uh, Webb. Ralph Webb. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Then and then they Benny had uh, Snell. Benny Snell. Like it was sure. like every team on the on the schedule had just an insanely good back. And this year, like I was trying to figure out who's the best back Florida's face. Like, was it Edwards Alaire for LSU? I don't know. So DeAndre Swift's on a completely different level. So to me, that is I think that's the the absolute key matchup that you circle is how does Florida contain Swift? He's an extremely, extremely explosive back. Um so, you know, containing him is not just a, um, you know, we got to keep him under a certain rushing total, but it's also we've got to keep him from popping one explosive play. You know, and those are the kind of plays that can change games in this Florida-Georgia game. Um, you know, he, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Dalvin Cook in some ways. Um, and so it's going to be interesting. I think this game's going to put a lot on Florida's front seven. And that means not just the D-line, but I think the linebackers, too. Blake, do you expect to see more three linebacker looks against Georgia this weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think you're going to have to with you know just how I expect Georgia to really lean on that run game. Um, just kind of off the top of my head, whenever you look at how David Reese has really impacted, you know, just Florida's defense overall this season. You know, he's just been a tackling machine. He's really kind of the heart and soul of that defense. I think this is going to be a game where he has to step up too. You have Jabari Zaniga back expected. You have uh, Jonathan Grenard back expected. They're going to help you in the in the run game and getting that pressure back there. But it's really going to be a David Reese type of play that's going to keep those you know explosive swift runs from popping and you know really you know changing the game and changing how the outlook is there. So I think that Reese is going to really need to be you know kind of step up there. Um, I, I I think that having three linebackers out there is a good idea for Florida, and I think having him out there to kind of coach some of these guys up on the field will be big too. So I expect David Reese to have a big impact not only on the field but just mentally for these guys too. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I think we saw it a little bit against South Carolina where, you know, Amari Bernie kind of filled in for trading at the nickel, particularly when South Carolina was getting its run game kind of rolling. And I thought that helped a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of that on Saturday. Um, I think that this is the kind of game – where given how Jake Fromm's been a little bit up and down this year, given the fact that Georgia doesn't necessarily have any receivers that you really circle and say, that guy's a huge problem for us, I think Florida really puts this game into the front seven. They load the box a little bit, and you play more man-to-man than maybe Florida's accustomed to playing on defense and say, hey, you're not going to beat us with the run. If Jake Fromm beats us, that's fine. And so, Blake, that leads me to this question, which Jake Fromm shows up? Because Jake Fromm, at the end of game last year, I mean, he was good, man. He showed up. And I don't know that we've seen that guy in any of Georgia's games this year. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I think last year it also helped whenever you have a C.J. Henderson go down. I felt like uh, Chris McWilliams really got picked on a lot last year. Not quite the same look as what we're going to see this year. So, uh, you know, I think that I don't expect Jake Fromm 
if he has a good game, I don't expect it to be, you know, these all-star numbers. But I, the thing with him that I have seen is that he is effective whenever he can make a play, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that he can do just enough to win a game. I don't think he's going to come out and be this big all-star. So I don't expect him to really have a great day out there. Um, I think whenever you look at how teams have really kind of gotten him rattled so far this year, um, he'd really, and again, I know we said that it was bad conditions for that Kentucky game, but he really struggled in that game. So, you know, I think that Florida's defense, if they can get that pass rush, if they can, uh, you know, really get in his face, I think he's going to struggle because, again, like you said, Georgia hasn't really had any go-to wide receivers out there this season. You know, I know they have, you know, George Pickens, who's a phenomenal freshman. He'll have a great career. But, you know, I just don't know that they really have these big-time weapons out wide. So, you know, I I just don't know that Fromm is going to be able to be effective with Florida's secondary if they're playing well um, and, you know, getting those guys to get that pressure, you know. So I I don't know that I'm going to – I think we're going to see, you know, a successful Jake Fromm. I think that if if Georgia really is going to game plan around their running game, and I think that that would be where they have more success more so than the passing game. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, that's where Grenard and Zuniga come up big, too, I think, is if they're able to pressure from, you know, South Carolina showed you can get him rattled. And when you get him rattled, he can turn the ball over. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, I'm looking at like a statistical breakdown in Florida's pregame notes of all these different categories. And the one that jumped out to me right away was takeaways. You know, Florida ranks tied for sixth in the country with 18 takeaways. Georgia's only taken it away nine times. They're tied for 92nd. So, Turnover margin, I think, could be a big difference in this game. And if Florida's able to rattle Jake Fromm, and like we said on the flip side, if Kyle Trask is able to manage the game, that's an area where Florida can maybe gain an extra possession or two to where maybe you can even sustain the blow if you know Swift pops a you know a 60-yard run on one drive. I think turnovers are going to be big in this game. I think how effective Grenard and Zaniga are going to be, not just in terms of setting the edge against the run, but, but really impacting Fromm when they do have him behind the chains. I think is going to be hugely important in this game. Blake, uh, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and get down to it. Let's get um, maybe a key or two to the game and a score prediction. What do you got? You know, I think the big key for Florida uh, defensively is stopping the run. I think that that's where Georgia has showed that's their bread and butter. Um, I feel like that's been the kind of the talk of the tale from them the last couple of years with just the success they've had of producing running backs. So I think the key for me is just shutting down that run. And then on the flip side for Florida's offense, I think you have to play smart with the football. You cannot give Georgia more possessions. You cannot let them get you know some juice in this game. Um, score prediction. I, you know, I actually think Florida's going to win this one. I think that the, we talked about early in the season that if Florida was going to do it this year, um, I feel like this is the most talent they have, the most veteran group that they've had in quite a while. So I, I'm thinking it's going to be a close game. I'm thinking, you know, a 23-20 Florida win. Okay. I'll give you my key to the game. I think that Florida has to continue to put the pressure on Georgia. You know, we talked about how I think this game with Georgia already having a loss is one that Georgia feels like it cannot afford to lose not just from the standpoint of the SEC East will be off the table at that point, but I think it completely changes the narrative in this series if Florida comes out with a win here and all of a sudden Kirby Smart starts to feel this pressure that's going to get through to recruits. You know, they're going to sense that. So for me, this game, more than a lot of other games, Florida's got to come out early, grab a lead. If you can do that, I think you will. Georgia will sense that pressure on them. You know, they haven't been great this year. The last two games, they have not been very good. If you come out and you get an early lead, all of a sudden, all that pressure is on Georgia. And I think Florida fans are just itching to, to bust out and really get loud. I think, I think you're going to be able to feel that in a very palpable sense in the stadium. So to me, the key for Florida is to get an early lead, be able to really kind of do what you want to do on both sides of the football 
and force Jake Fromm to really get Georgia back in the game. I think that's the key to Florida coming away with a win in this one. My score prediction, I think this is going to be a tight game. I'm, I'm just like you. I think it's going to be very tight. The reason I'm not picking Florida to win by more uh, than I will is because I think that DeAndre Swift is going to have probably at least one or two runs where he busts and, and really frees up a drive that otherwise maybe it doesn't have a whole lot going. Um, I just think Florida's been a little bit susceptible to that big play. You talk about the safety rotation. You know, if you get a couple guys to take a bad angle against Swift, you know, it's not like some of these other backs Florida's faced. He's gone. So I'm going with Florida 27, Georgia 23. I think that Florida does win. Um, I was really tempted to pick it Florida 27, Georgia 17, but I just think I think that uh, DeAndre Swift is going to have a big impact in this game. I do think he's going to break a run or two. I'm just not convinced that Jake Fromm is going to be able to keep Georgia in this one the way he did last year for some of the same reasons you said. You know, he's not going to have a C.J. McWilliams or a Voshan Joseph to pick on in the secondary. And I think at the end of the day, I think if Florida gets that early lead, I really think it's just going to snowball into some momentum for Florida. You heard it. Both of us, homers, picking Florida. All right, Blake, we talked a little bit about how, you know, this rivalry in general, depending on how this weekend goes, could could shift things into in terms of a national perspective, a national sense. Uh, just real quickly before we wrap up, because I know we're, we're uh, you know, getting long on time here. Is there any big recruiting impact to this game or, or even any recruits that we should be focused on in the next couple of days? Yeah, you know, I think that this impact of this game, I, I think it kind of opens the door for Florida to get that national, per, uh, you know, perception from some of these recruits. I think a lot of recruits have been more and more seriously giving Florida a look since Mullen's been there. You know, winning the games in the fashion they have. The question isn't any more of. Well, you know, I don't know if I'm interested in Florida because their offense just isn't good. Those questions are gone that we've seen mm-hmm. over the last several years of you know Florida recruiting. I think that them kind of getting in this national perspective, um, you know, winning some of these games can really kind of, I think that recruiting nowadays has become kind of a popularity contest where, you know, you have your Alabamas, your Georgias, your Clemsons, you know, so a lot of other teams, it just seems like they just rack up on the recruiting trail just because they win. And I think that that's a big part of that. Florida can really kind of put themselves in a position to really kind of close out strong um, with some of these top guys they have had, um, you know, obviously a successful season showing that Mullen is, you know, really putting Florida back on the map can really help. There's a lot of, there, there's no negatives from Florida, you know, winning this game against Georgia if they're able to. So, um, you know, they'll actually have one of their top targets in the stands. This is a game that since it's a neutral SEC game, um, you know, there's no recruits that are, you know, are invited to the game. Um, I believe the rule also is that both teams have to agree on having recruits in the game. I know that was what what got Florida and Miami to have recruits there. But they will have four-star wide receiver Xavier Henderson in the stands. He's the younger brother of C.J. Um, Henderson. So uh, he's going to be there as, you know, as is obviously his brother with family. So, he just coming off of a Florida, or excuse me, a Georgia official visit. He's looking at Bama too. He's looking at a bunch of other schools. Florida getting a big win in front of him. You know, I believe it's his fourth game he's seen this year. You know that's obviously nothing but a positive there. Florida's had um, him on campus a couple times. They still have an official visit they can use later. So that's going to be a big time guy that a lot of Florida fans are really hoping that he's in the class. Um, so that'll be a you know, at least as far as I know, the only big time guy that's going to be in the stands. Um, obviously, Florida's kind of coming up on. 
uh, some possibly some big time news on November 1st. Uh, four star athlete Mark Britt will be making his college decision between Penn State and Florida. My 24 7 crystal ball prediction is on the Gators. I expect them to get some good news tomorrow. And while he's listed as a wide receiver by a lot of websites, Florida's actually looking at him as more of an athlete. But I expect his future, if he does pick Gator, pick the Gators, um, is to be at the safety position, which is a spot where Florida's needed some help. Um, I actually rewatched his midseason tape not too long ago, and he has more snaps on safety there and he's actually um, pretty athletic he's not afraid to hit you know some of these offensive guys that are kind of true offensive guys at heart they don't really like to hit they you know they don't like to hit guys they're not very physical but I was really impressed with how physical he was on tape you can see his ball skills on the defensive side he has a really nice one-handed interception in the end zone in one of his plays so you know I think Florida's really looking for some help at the safety position um, you know you bring an athletic guy like that, that you can kind of mold and really kind of work on just a little bit more true safety spot you know just kind of working on out the kinks in his game. I, you know, I think he could be a big-time guy for Florida to join Rashad Torrance, the other safety commit. Florida's going to keep looking at a couple guys uh, like Oregon commit, Avante Williams, Tennessee commit, Mordecai McDaniel. So Florida could take upwards to three safeties even if they do land Britt. So um, I, I'm expecting Florida to have some good news tomorrow. Well, there you go. You led me right into a plug. Uh, visit Swamp247.com. We will have that recruitment covered. That's obviously a big one for Florida. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know, too, because uh, I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast maybe aren't on Swamp247.com. Uh, we just launched a great, great deal uh, with uh, CBS Sports. Um, so what we're offering to any subscribers of 24-7 Sports, if you subscribe to Swamp247.com, you automatically now get access to CBS All Access, which has a ton of original shows. They've got Star Trek Discovery. They've got a really cool uh, Star Trek Picard coming up with uh, – you know, Patrick Stewart. Uh, so there's a lot of different shows that you can get. It comes at no extra cost. The subscription cost for 24-7 sports has not gone up at all. Just another value add to a Swamp 24-7 subscription. If you've been wanting to try CBS All Access and you also love the Gators, but, you know, haven't quite jumped in to get our VIP recruiting content, our VIP team news, I mean, this is just a great roll-up, a potential chance for you to jump in. So I wanted to plug that real quick because I just signed up for my CBS All Access. It's a one-click button. You know, if you're a 24-7 sports subscriber, you get all these free shows now. So I just wanted to toss that out there real quick before we go. Guys, thank you for tuning in to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We will be back on Sunday breaking down the Florida-Georgia game, which we both expect to be a close one, and we both expect Florida to win. We'll see if we're right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 